Welcome to Book Bistro, where book lovers come to share the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Tuesday, September 11th, and we are here to talk about books that center around boarding schools, or just schools in general, but I think mostly boarding schools. I'm Shannon, and I'm joined once again by Stacy and Jen, and we are ready to share some great books with you. Good evening, ladies. Good evening. Hello. Fall is in the air, and it is a lovely thing. And with fall comes people going back to school, at least in in most places that's the case. So we are going to talk about some books today that have to do with schools. Um, Some of these are schools that I'm not sure that I would want to actually attend, (laughs) since like bad things happen in some of them, but <laughs> there are also some pretty great things that happen in some of these schools. Yeah, in pretty much every school I'm talking about, something really bad happens to people. So. <laughs> oh, maybe schools are bad. Well, these ones, I think, would not be good for certain people, yeah. To go to. <laughs> so before we get started, I do want to say that we now have a Facebook page. And you can find us on Facebook at Book Bistro. And I want to thank everyone who has subscribed to the podcast so far. It's amazing. Um, If you can leave us a rating or a review, that would be fantastic. And let us get on with the bookities. And so Stacy is going to start us off. And then I will follow and Jen will go next and then we'll go back around for as many rounds of book recommendations as we can. My first pick is The Broken Girls by Simone St. James and I waited for this book with great excitement for a long time. This author has been one of my favorites um, since I read the Haunting of Maddie Claire a few years ago. I just think that her writing style is so beautiful and has a way of drawing you into her settings. She can really paint some really vivid word pictures with just a few lines of description. And so The Broken Girls is a bit of a deviation for her. It's her first novel that is set partly in present day. The rest of her novels were all set in 1920s era England right after World War I. Um, So in this book, we have two separate storylines. So it is a dual timeline, which of course I love also. So this book focuses on Idlewild Hall, which is a boarding school um, in the mid-century and before that for young women who are either too smart or illegitimate or too poorly behaved for their own good and need a place to be shipped away to avoid embarrassment. So in 1950, there are four young girls who are mid-teens, who are going to Idlewild Hall, and they are roommates, and they kind of bond um, together and share the woe of being at this very creepy uh, boarding school with odd teachers and odd occurrences that happen all the time. And the, the main occurrence that happens all the time is there is a ghost there that 
pops up. I know that's Shannon's favorite thing. Um, <laughs> and her name is Mary Hand. And to me, that's a terrifying name, Mary Hand. And there's a little poem about her that commences with Mary Hand, Mary Hand, dead and buried under land, and goes on from there. So, um, and so there's, there's a whole storyline with these young women at this school. It's very forbidding. Um, and one of them just vanishes without a trace. And the other three never find out what happens to her. Now, let's fast forward many years to present day. It's 2014. And there is a, a, photo, or a journalist um, living in the town where Idlewild Hall is now abandoned. Um, and she wants to write a story because Idlewild Hall is being um, renovated by an anonym, anonymous benefactor. And... So her tie, Fiona's tie to Ida Wild Hall is that her sister was found murdered in one of the sports fields um, 20 years ago. And ever since then, you know, she's been very drawn to this place because she feels that there is more to the case than what the police have determined. So we have, you know, modern day Fiona trying to solve a mystery surrounding her sister's death. And we have the four young women in 1950 trying to solve the mystery of what happened to uh, one of their roommates. And this book was really good. And the parts with the ghost to me were very terrifying. I was reading it while I was on vacation in Southwest Florida on the beach in the middle of the day. And at one point my husband came up behind me and started whispering the Mary hand poem. And I screamed <laughs> in the middle of the day on the beach so I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was very clever. It was quite spine chilling. Um, the, the school was fascinating. The ghost was terrifying. The mysteries were clever. And it was a boarding school novel that I really enjoyed. So this book, again, if you have the chance to read it, is called The Broken Girls and the author is Simone St. James. I think I kind of want to hear your husband recite the Mary Hand poem. He does it if I'm pouting to make me laugh now because he knows I can't. He makes up different words. So I will make sure that you hear this. <laughs> yes, this, this could be quite amusing. It is indeed. <laughs> so my first pick also has a bit to do with the spiritual realm, although in kind of a different way. Um, this is actually a trilogy, but I'm mainly going to talk about the first book. Um, this is the Gemma Doyle series. The first book is called A Great and Terrible Beauty, and the author is Libba Bray. So this takes place in 1895, and Gemma is a 16-year-old girl who has lived most of her life in India. But when her mother commits suicide, she is sent uh, back to England and is made to attend this very creepy boarding school called Spence. <laughs> and she's not, she's not really welcomed there at first. There seem to be a lot of people who aren't very happy to see her there and she's not sure why. Plus this very mysterious young man from India seems to have followed her to England and he keeps kind of popping up, and Gemma is not sure what he wants. She's a little bit unnerved by this. And as she settles into Spence, she begins to learn a lot of very strange things, not only about the school, but about her mother. And it just goes on, and it's a wonderful story that focuses on female friendship, on magic, 
on kind of this search for answers about someone that you really thought you knew. And maybe it turns out that you didn't know all that well after all. And I loved all three books in this series. It's, it has kind of a gothic feel, which is really cool when it's done well. And Libba Bray definitely does it well here. So I very, very highly recommend A Great and Terrible Beauty, followed by Rebel Angels and The Sweet Far Thing. And again, those are by Libba Bray. That was a great series. That was actually the first um, series I read by her because it wasn't a great and terrible beauty, her debut, I think. Yes. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yes, I love it. <clears throat> okay, so my first pick is The Lake of Dead Languages by Carol Goodman. And in this book, we see Jane Hudson, and she is returning to the Heart Lake School for Girls in upstate New York with her daughter, and she wants to have a fresh start. She's going there to be a Latin teacher. Um, but what we find out is that she was a student there back 20 years prior to the book starting. And during that time, she had these two really good friends, Lucy and Deirdre, and they spent tons of time together. They also spent time with... Um, one of her friend's brothers called Matt that she thought was pretty great. And something really terrible happened. And um, Jane was the only one to survive of the group of friends. So she's back at school. It's 20 years later. She's a Latin teacher. Her daughter is there. And a bunch of weird stuff starts happening. Um, a bunch of ominous signs from her past start surfacing for her like pages from this journal that she wrote back then that only she should know about but apparently somebody else does because they're like haha look at this and she's like oh my goodness and then um not only that but some other uh girls that are current students are, are seemingly succumbing to suicide or are they so uh, again, that is The Lake of Dead Languages by Carol Goodman. The book was so, so creepy, but I loved it. That was actually the first Carol Goodman book that I've read. Yep, me too. And it was so excellent. I can't wait to read it. It sounds really good. I'm very much looking forward to it. I really like Carol Goodman's writing. So. I love her books. I've read yeah. like several of her standalones. I think she's amazing. My second pick is called Roseblood by A.G. Howard. And this book came out at the beginning of 2017. And again, it was a very highly anticipated read for me because it had to do with some of the, the themes and the storyline surrounding The Phantom of the Opera by Gaston LaRue, which of course I've made no secret that that is something that I'm a bit obsessed with. And so when I saw that there was a book that was coming out that would kind of give me the opportunity to sort of kind of enhance my phantom obsession, I was just so overjoyed. So in this book we have in modern day, present day, we have a young woman, a senior in high school named Rune. And Rune is from Texas, but she has this, problem. And I'm calling it a problem because there are just moments in time where if she hears even a snatch of certain opera songs, even like one line or just a little bit of it sung, 
it is as though there is this force within her that she is unable to subdue until she opens her mouth and allows the song to come flooding out of her in this dramatic soprano voice. And she has been this way since the age of four. But every time she sings, she develops some flu-like symptoms. And so it is causing her a great deal of turmoil, especially because she can't control when this music is going to burst from her throat. And so her mother decides that the best thing to do for her would be to send her to this French opera academy, as a parent would typically do um, in in a small kind of right outside of Paris, um, kind of off the beaten path. And in this version of a sort of phantom-esque story, um, there are a lot of rumors that the, um, the basis of the original novel by Gaston LaRue was based on events at this um, opera house. So Rune goes to this opera house and begins having all these strange and disturbing experiences and she keeps seeing random flashes of this masked boy and she keeps hearing snatches of violin music and she has run-ins with the other prima donna um, that's in the senior class as one would expect from a book with with situations that kind of mirror the phantom and I'm not going to talk much about um, who the masked boy is um, because I think it would kind of give away too much of the story but Let's just say there's some sort of supernatural forces at work here and, you know, lots of, lots of strange things ensue before um, the story ends. And um, I do very much love that this book was set in an old opera house that's very gothic and dark and shadowy and mysterious where there was a fire over a hundred years ago. Um, and I loved a lot about the story. I felt like the, um, the phantom aspects kind of fell flat for me, but I, I'm kind of critical of those things, but I loved all the things to do with the school and the, and the performances and, you know, even some with the romance between Rune and her love interest. So if you like me enjoy all things phantom, or if you enjoy books that center around uh, shadowy opera houses turned into opera conservatories, I encourage you to check out Roseblood by A.G. Howard. I am very intrigued by A.G. Howard. I want to read Roseblood. I also want to read her Alice in Wonderland yes. retellings, like Splintered. Splintered and all. Yes, I've heard yes. very good things. I have that not. That amazing. Yeah, I haven't picked them up because um, I struggle with young adult novels. Um, they're not my favorite, but you know, I do think her writing is rather lovely. So I think it would be worth checking out for sure. So I'm going to stick with the art theme for a moment. And I want to talk about Tiny Pretty Things by Danielle Clayton and Sona Charapotra, I believe is how you pronounce her name. And this is a two book series, Tiny Pretty Things and Shiny Broken Pieces. Oh, yikes. I know. <laughs> and they take place in stuff. this... <laughs> Sorry? I said, watch where you step. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and these, uh, these books take place in this cutthroat New York City uh, school of ballet. And it is for 
students who are really dedicated to their craft. Um, many people come out of this school with these contracts with really like prestigious dance companies. And we focus on three girls who are struggling with various aspects, not only um, of their lives as dancers, but also of their personal lives. Um, Gigi, for example, is the only African-American student at the school. And so she is unfortunately treated pretty shabbily by some of the people who will turn out to be her rivals. Um, she is also one of the most talented dancers. We also focus on June, who is um, Asian American and has an eating disorder. And Bet is the other woman, well, kind of woman slash girl. These are like 16, 17 year olds. Um, and Bet comes from a family of dancers. Her older sister is getting pretty famous and Bet is determined that she will be just as famous, if not more so than her sister and certainly more famous than anyone in her class. So this is a novel that deals a lot with competition. It's very, very dark. Um, the authors do not hold back when they describe some of the things that go on in this school. Um, all three of these girls go to pretty terrible lengths to achieve the things that they think they deserve. Um, so it's, it's very dark and yet there's an element of it that I just really loved. It was a lot of fun. I loved that kind of uh, rivalry that these three experienced. And I love the way the authors created such unique characters and put them in the school setting. So this again is Tiny Pretty Things followed by Shiny Broken Pieces. And the authors are Danielle Clayton and Sana Charapotra. I feel like I read a review of this book that was very, it was a very complimentary review. And I think I read it a couple years ago, right when it was released. Has this book been out a long time or is it fairly it's been new? Out a couple years, yeah. I think. Like maybe 2016. Yep, that's what I'm picturing that it was a very, I don't know if someone had a, like an advanced <clears throat> reader copy or something, but I remember that that book was on my radar for quite a while. It's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I have it here. I just haven't read it yet, but I plan to. It looks good. If you are primarily an audio reader, you might be sad because I could not find shiny broken pieces in audio. Oh, dear. Um, I don't like I actually. Uh, that's frustrating. I actually read it as an ebook. Hmm. Okay, so my next pick is Beware That Girl by Teresa Totten. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, in this book, it centers around two girls primarily. Um, first, we see Kate O'Brien. And Kate O'Brien is a scholarship student at a very elite um, New York uh, school, private school called Waverly. And she has a very troubled past that we find out about as the book goes on. And she's very book smart. She's very street smart. And, let's try this again. She's very book smart. She's very street smart. And oh yeah, she's a masterful liar. <laughs> so we don't know if we should trust her, right? And she's very intentional about who she quote unquote befriends. And so she seeks out and befriends Olivia Sumner, 
who is a very well-to-do young woman in her class, as most people are that go to the school. Um, and Olivia has come back after a semester off because of something troubling in her past that, again, we find out about as the book goes on. So um, Kate, quote unquote, befriends her and um, they become very close very quickly. And then all of a sudden, here comes this guy, Mark Redkin, onto the Waverly staff. And he becomes very close with Olivia, only Olivia doesn't want anyone to know about it. And Kate starts to suspect that this Mark Redkin guy could be a threat to everything that she wants to do in her life. I won't explain why, obviously. So all this kind of comes to a head and the book goes on from there. Again, it's called Beware That Girl by Teresa Totten. That is a very, very twisted story. I read it one yes. night and it scared me. Yeah, it's very creepy. Like, it's not what you, like, like you think you know what's happening and you, you have no idea. <laughs> no, no. And it has one of those kind of ambiguous endings where oh, you're like, you well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, it could be this way or it could be some other way. Yeah, you just don't, yeah, you don't know. Um, so it was very creepy, but good. Yes, it was very good. It was a really quick read, too. It was, um, it was it not was, super long. It was short and it was fast paced too. Yes, so it was. I, I felt like that made it even shorter. But yeah, it was yeah, good. I like flew through it. But Stacy would not be a fan. No, I, I like happily ever after endings. And if you say it's ambiguous, I pr it probably would have been the kind of ending that would make me yell out loud, like, "Why did I spend my time reading this?" Because I'm, I, I'm known <laughs> for yelling at books if I don't like how they end. So. <laughs> But I'll take your word for it that it was good, both of you. So Carol Goodman is going to feature prominently in this episode because the next book I want to talk about was also written by Carol Goodman. And I discovered this book when I was on a search for something else. I was looking for something kind of gothic and it was in the fall and I wanted to read it. And then I realized that this book, Blythewood, was actually a young adult novel. And I may have stated a time or two uh, within this episode that young adult is not something that I love very often or very much. But I'd read something else by uh, Carol Goodman writing under a different pen name. And I loved it so much that I, I, wanted it to, um, I wanted to read it again or wanted to read something else by this author. So I tried it. So the, the trilogy is called Blythewood. And the three books in this trilogy are Blythewood, Ravenscliff, and Hawthorne. And the books center around a young woman named Aveline Hall in 1911 in New York City. And Aveline Hall um, is living alone and trying to earn a living at the Triangle Shirt Waste Factory, the Triangle Waste Factory, um, after her mother's sudden death from a laudanum overdose. And so Aveline Hall is at that factory on the day of the infamous fire. And somehow, despite the fact that the majority of the women who were locked in this factory, uh, despite the fact that they all died, somehow she was rescued by a boy with wings. And she was then delivered um, from the, the fire and 
um, she was kept safe. Well, after this fire, um, events sort of continue to move on. And she finds out that she has a grandmother who is still living and who wants her to go to the sort of finishing school where Aveline's mother went before she was expelled. And this school is called Blythewood. And it is not until Ava arrives at Blythewood that she realizes that not only is it for a, not only is it a school for mostly well-to-do young women who are trying to uh, find a good marriage prospect, but it's also for some outsiders who are deemed to be the appropriate type of person to be a Blythewood girl um, by by the the headmistress of this school, and so. On her first evening, she discovers that it is also a school for magic. And this book, the pacing is beautiful and perfect. And there are female friendships formed. It's about how this girl begins to kind of learn about what her special powers or gifts or whatever may be. There's a shadowy, evil man who keeps kind of cropping up throughout the book. And she's trying to figure out who is the man in the Inverness cape. And then periodically this boy with wings shows up throughout the book as well. And so basically in this book, it's kind of how she learns about her powers and what they are and kind of how to control them. And then also learns what the conflict will continue to be into the next book. And I don't want to give any more away than that, but the book was truly amazing. And I am sorry for ever saying that I would never read young adult because this one is very much worth your time. Even if you don't necessarily enjoy that genre, the writing really is quite lovely. And because of how, um, just how independent Ava has had to be since the death of her mother and just mature she's had to be, it doesn't feel like you're reading like an angst ridden sort of teenager girl book. Um, it's, it's, it's quite well done. So again, the first book in the trilogy is called Blythewood by Carol Goodman, followed by Raven's Cliff and Hawthorne. And if you are an audiobook reader, I am sorry to tell you that Hawthorne, the third and final book in the trilogy, was never put on, uh, was never made into an audiobook because the first two didn't get enough attention. Um, and so if you um, if you're reading this trilogy, um, you're going to want to you know get the ebook for the third one. So I don't think I know what an Inverness cape is. I don't either. <laughs> but <laughs> sounds like maybe like a fancy fabric or well, something. But it just sounds maybe. creepy, doesn't it? Like the men in Inverness cape. It just sounds like someone you should be afraid of, right there. Don't don't you think? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I also think that I really need this book in my life very very quickly. If yeah, you, it sounds amazing. It is right? amazing, and if you like, kind of again, kind of gothic and shadowy and mysterious mm -hmm. and magic and all the things and you will really like this book yeah, it sounds great so I have a conflict I often have book conflicts this one is kind of huge because I love boarding school novels and there are so many that I could talk about but for the sake of staying within the time limit for this podcast, I think I just have to choose one and move on. So how about She Was the Quiet One by Michelle Campbell? Oh, yikes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Twins! <laughs> I 
twins. <laughs> oh, it's not good twinning, though. Oh. <laughs> Stacy is not a fan. I'm guessing she won't be, like, running out to read this anytime soon. Sorry, no. So this is the story of twins, Rose and Belle Enright. And because one of the main reasons people end up being sent to boarding school is because their mothers die, at least that <laughs> seems to be how it is in this podcast, they are, yes, sent off to Odell Academy in New England after the death of their mother. And Rose is really, I mean, obviously she's not happy about the death of her mother, but she's really <laughs> happy to get this opportunity to study at this really elite private school. She knows that she can finally have access to some really great opportunities. She won't be ridiculed for being smart. And so for her, the world is just opening up and it's wonderful. But for Belle, who was a lot closer to their mother and who isn't the rule follower that Rose is, Odell Academy is just sort of stifling. Um, there are too many rules, and she finds so many of the students kind of stuck up and stodgy. And she becomes very close to an English teacher, and Rose becomes very close to the English teacher's wife. And the two, the twins, end up kind of at odds um, with each other, and eventually, tragedy will occur, and only one of the sisters survives. No! <laughs> so this is, it, it's very fast-paced. Um, parts of it, you know, might have been a teeny bit predictable, and yet there was something about this. I just kept reading it. I was watching this terrible thing unfold, and I could not look away from it I just needed to see what was going to happen I needed to see like had I really figured things out or was there going to be like some twist that was going to totally surprise me and this was just a really enjoyable uh, take on the whole boarding school thing so again this is She Was the Quiet One by Michelle Campbell and well, I loved it. Why is it so often in literature that a, one of the twins has to die to further a plot? I'm very distressed by this, and I just wish it were not the case, but I guess it makes for good suspense. I keep trying to think of books where that doesn't happen. I know. And I don't know that I can. If that doesn't happen, there's always a good twin and an evil twin, so... Either one dies or one is evil. It's just the way of it. Alas. I suppose. So sorry. Well, someone needs to write like a, a twin book that doesn't use any of those plot devices. Indeed. <laughs> okay, so let me preface my next pick by saying no mothers or twins die in this book. I will read it oh, then. Would. <laughs> okay. But it's also book eight in a series, so you might want to start with the beginning. Actually, you probably wouldn't like this anyway because it's a mystery series, but... Uh. It's amazing. Okay, so this is um, Dying Truth, Kim Stone, book eight. This series is wonderful. The ninth book is coming out next month, and I'm going to talk about it at October picks, but we're not talking about it now, so I'll get back to the eighth one. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so this series, 
um, features Kim Stone. So picture like a British Eve Dallas without Rourke and without the future bits. Yeah. Um, but that kind of character, right? So she's really tough and hardcore, but she's also really compassionate underneath all that. Um, and we find out why that is. We find out um, there's a lot of depth to this series um, in terms of character. So we find out about um, Kim's past and kind of why she is the way she is throughout the series. So in this specific book, um, Kim and her team are summoned to this um, elite school where this girl, Sadie Winter, goodness, Sadie Winters, has seemingly committed suicide. And Kim is not convinced that this is true for a variety of reasons to do with the crime scene and things. And she's just like, mm, I don't know about this. But she's like, all right, fine. You know, we'll treat it this way until I have proof, like um, legit proof otherwise. But I really gut feeling don't think this is true. Well, then it turns out her gut feeling's pretty right on because another child dies. And then as the book goes on, we find out that these deaths may or may not be linked to the secret society that has been going on at the school for years and years and years and years. And the secret society has like a major hold over all these people. And there's all these secrets that people don't want to have come out. And it's very twisty and good. And I just really love this series so much. Um, and this is book eight. You need to read the series in order because of what happens with the characters throughout the series. Um, but it's Dying Truth, Kim Stone, book eight by Angela Marsons. And I can't recommend this series highly enough. It's just so good. I have read the first four so far. Um, and I've enjoyed most of them. I think the fourth one was a little eh for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I, I do like them a lot. <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely some that are better than others, in my opinion, too. But I mean, I think that's true of pretty much any long running series, I feel like. It's true. <clears throat> but yeah. So and I have two more that I theoretically could discuss. Okay. You have one, I have more, one more. Yeah, one more. Mm -hmm. And I have one more I could discuss, too. So, all right. So, do you want to go ahead then and discuss your last one? Sure. I was discussing um, my previous book that I talked about was Blythewood by Carol Goodman, but what I originally read by this author was a trilogy called the Fairwick Trilogy, written under the pen name Juliet Dark. And this book, the series actually, the first one is <laughs> The Demon Lover, um, followed by The Water Witch and The Angel Stone. And this trilogy drew me in in a way like I, um, when it was done, I couldn't stop thinking about the characters. And it's actually in my comfort reads. I go back and reread the whole trilogy about once a year because I love it so very much. So this trilogy focuses on a young professor named Callie McFay. And she has just been hired to teach um, different English literature classes at this small liberal arts school uh, college up in, it, it's in upstate New York. And upon her arrival at this college, kind of odd things begin happening. She begins having very sexy, explicit dreams about this man who comes to her in moonlight. And um, oh my. so she's a professor <laughs> by day and a temptress by night. And the, it's just, it's very, you know, she finds out um, very early on that actually she's being visited by an incubus, which is a demon Ooh. that basically um, uses um, 
certain bedroom activities to kind of, <laughs> kind of um, <laughs> suck out a woman's life force. And so, you know, so she anyway tries to banish this, banish this incubus with the help of her friends at Fairwick College, who she discovers many of which are supernatural creatures that she did not know truly populated the world. And so this whole trilogy kind of is about how she sort of learns about her own powers and her own magical abilities and what her role is um, in this, in this universe. And she kind of also continues to have um, feelings for this incubus and how this, this, um, this man kind of keeps playing a role in each book. And, you know, there's a lot about this, this college and how, um, you know, it's, it's her way of, you know, kind of earning a living, but it's her way of also finding her, her um, family of choice and how all her friends kind of rally together to defeat very evil forces. And the, they're just magnificent books. Please, if you need something really good to read this October, especially when it's Halloween and fall and leaves are blowing and you have, um, and you have a, like a chai latte in your cup and you, all the good things, you need to check out the Fairwick Trilogy by Juliet Dark. It's amazing. I'm still laughing about the certain bedroom activities. <laughs> well, I wasn't Bedroom activities. In bedroom? Bedroom activities. <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep things on the G-rated spectrum here. I know. <laughs> I don't know that we're quite like G-rated here. I think we're allowed to say. Can we say sexy times? Sure. Okay, because she had many sexy times with her incubus. So, okay, amazing book. Please read. (laughs) I'm done now. It sounds like a great trilogy. It is. So I'm going to talk about a different kind of school. Um, This is the masterpiece by Fiona Davis, and it centers around an art school. And this book just came out um, in August of this year, and I loved it a lot. And although it is a dual timeline novel, I really like the idea of talking about a school that isn't full of, like, co-eds and, you know, snotty teenagers. Um, (laughs) Because even though I think there's definitely a place for those books, I also thought that this episode might like something a little different. So this art school is set up in Grand Central Terminal, which we probably know as Grand Central Station in New York City. And we see two women who live about 50 years apart and how this art school changes their lives. Clara is an artist and a teacher in the 1920s, she really wants to make a name for herself. And yet the art world isn't really ready for someone like her, Um, especially the the New York art world. It's filled with kind of pompous men who are pretty focused on themselves and honestly seem a little bit intimidated by someone as talented as Clara in their midst. But Clara is determined that she will leave her mark on the world. And so she sets about trying to do this, even though she's really 
held back in some ways by society and her quote unquote colleagues. Then we move to 1973 and the art school has closed. Grand Central Station is no longer this like show place that it used to be. Um, it's filled now with homeless people and drug addicts. It's very dirty and a little bit creepy. Virginia has just kind of had to rethink her whole life for a host of reasons. She's raising a young daughter and she really needs to figure some things out. She has never really worked. She had a very um, financially successful husband who is no longer in the picture. And now she is working at the information booth in Grand Central Station. And she discovers the art school and begins kind of poking around. And she finds a painting that really intrigues her. And as she tries to learn about the person who created this painting, Clara's story begins to kind of intersect with Virginia's own life. And this is a wonderful look at both art and some of the um, trials and tribulations that women have faced throughout history. We see it both in the 1920s and in the 1970s. And it's a little different depending on the time period, but there are so many things that are the same about it. Um, I love the way Fiona Davis writes um, and the masterpiece, although it is not my favorite novel by her because it's hard to beat The Dollhouse, it is definitely one that I recommend, especially if you're looking for a little bit of a different take on the school theme. Fiona Davis is amazing. I love her stuff. But yeah, The Dollhouse is like far and away my favorite. Um, yes. Okay. So my last pick is... The Secret Place by Tana French, which is a five, yes, in her Murder Squad or Dublin Murder Squad series. Um, this is a series that is best again to read in order. And the really interesting thing about this series is the fact that when she goes from book to book, somebody who is a very often very peripheral character, uh, but at least a somewhat peripheral character in the previous book, ends up being the main focus in the next book which is a very interesting way, I think, to do as a long-running series um, because often it'll be like, oh, here's a central person and here's this other fairly central person and, you know, this book's about them and this book's about this person. But in this book, I mean, honestly, in the series, sometimes I have to remind myself, wait, who is this person again? Oh, yeah, it's that person that we saw in this previous book. Um, so it's not a very obvious choice. And I think that's an interesting way to do things. Um, so in this book, we see... And he very much wants to be in the murder squad. He wants to be part of a really involved in a case. He wants to get right in there. And the daughter of another guy who is on the squad, Frank Mackey, his daughter, Holly, comes to Steve because Steve is good friends with her father. And she doesn't want to come to her father with this. She comes to him and she says, you know, look, here's this picture that was left in a secret place. And now she goes to the school called... I believe it's called Kildas. I might be mispronouncing it. Um, and they have this bulletin board 
where they put things, there's usually like silly things, like gossipy things or just ways that kids can be kind of covertly mean to each other and that sort of thing. But somebody has put a picture there, a photograph that links back to the death of this other um, young man called Christopher. And um, the case was, was never solved. It was a cold case. And Holly brings this photograph to Steve and Steve and his partner, um, Conway, they end up reopening this case. Um, and it turns out the more they look, the more things link back to Holly and her friends and the rival clique that they are at odds with in the school. Um, and this is problematic because of Frank being a coworker and you know, people don't want these secrets to get out. And um, again, it's called The Secret Place by Tana French. And this whole series is super, super good. Um, so that is my last pick. So I really liked this book. Oh like some of the language in it was really hard for me to take seriously. I have never heard anyone say in real life, and I hope I never do, totes amazeballs. I've heard things not quite that, but some of it, yeah. I actually have, but only to mock a millennial who perhaps would speak that way. I've never heard anybody say it seriously, but I've heard totes my goats and balls (laughs) separately, but not together. I've not heard them said together, but I've I've definitely heard, I just like slang is weird now. (laughs) Very me weird. too. Yeah. Makes me feel <laughs> very like, old. Like, I have no idea what they're talking about, but that's fine. <laughs> so before we close for the evening, I just want to give a shout out to the Vampire Academy series by Rochelle Mead, because it was kind of the first paranormal boarding school book that I read, <laughs> if you don't count Harry Potter. Um. So it is a six book series that takes place in this boarding school and there's all kinds of great vampire lore that you learn about. And there's a little bit of a kind of forbidden romance. Um, It is a young adult series, but it's so, so clever and just so well done. There's also a spinoff series called Bloodlines. And I just, I'm a big Rochelle Mead fan but this series is so great. And so I couldn't have an episode like this without mentioning Vampire Academy because it's great. So I think that wraps us up for today. Um, Thank you to Jen and to Stacy for joining me and talking (laughs) about some pretty creepy boarding schools and schools where people don't live, but still have some kind of bad things that happen. Um, Thank you, as always, to Christine for the editing and the -the behind-the-scenes tech stuff, and to Michael for some help with our Facebook page. And, yes, and thank you to all of you who have tuned in. Um, Definitely feel free to tell your friends, tell your book clubs, tell anybody you know who loves books as much as we do to check out Book Bistro. We are finally live on a number of platforms and I'm really, really excited. 
we are still waiting for a couple of platforms. So we will make a complete list once we're sure exactly where we're going to be heard from week to week. So please check us out. Again, you can find us on Facebook at Book Bistro. Feel free to leave us a rating or a review. Anyway, everyone have a lovely evening and read lots of fantastic things. And I hope you all have a marvelous week. Farewell. Good night. Bye. So please check us out. Again, you can find us on Facebook at Book Bistro. Feel free to leave us a rating or a review.